0: when you buy the right property in the right location and do some improvements, you can really add a lot of value to that property.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum, and in this episode, we're chatting to professional investment advisor, entrepreneur, and model of three, Melinda Jennison. Born and raised in Brisbane, Jennison has been investing with her now husband since she was just 18. Tune into this episode to hear why she got started in property, as well as the highs and lows of her journey so far. Jennison is recognized by the Property Investment Industry Association as a professional and qualified investment advisor running her own buyer's agency out of Brisbane.
0: I am a qualified property investment advisor accredited through PIPA, Property Investment Professionals of Australia, and I also run my own buyers agency here in Brisbane um, under Streamline Property Buyers. So whilst that's what I'm currently doing uh, now, I have come from a different background, which I'm sure we'll get into, but um, that's what we're, we're doing, helping buyers in Brisbane, both investors and home buyers, and also some developers position themselves in the Brisbane property market.
1: Excellent. That's very, very interesting. And you said um, your buys agent is part of a group, is that right or is that your own business?
0: No, that's my own business. So we run a boutique agency. Uh, my husband who is a licensed builder and myself um, being the qualified property investment advisor have joined forces and uh, we provide a boutique service Yeah, just in Brisbane and uh, the Morton Bay Shire.
1: Jennison and her husband have combined forces to start up their new business after leaving their previous venture in construction.
0: We are both full-time, so um, only a fairly new business, but prior to this, we ran our own construction company and um, we just decided that the building industry is no longer an industry that we want to be heavily involved in and um, it did set us up for opportunity to explore other avenues where we can help people in the property market. In Brisbane, so I guess he's using his um, his builder's eye to <laughs> inspect properties on behalf of buyers, and um, and I'm obviously looking at the properties from an investment perspective and doing a lot of desktop analysis on development potential of certain opportunities that we're looking at as well. So it is a good good combined skill set that um you know yeah works well.
1: And I was going to say, you know, <laughs> having that skill set there especially coming from that experience of building and also for yourself in, in, in the investment side, it is such a strong, strong team that you've got there to be able to help investors because, you know, to come across that kind of expertise is very rare to be honest and a lot of people usually as a buyers agent that come in I think have um, great skill set to research and so forth but to actually see it from both angles, wow, <laughs> you're delivering an amazing service to your clients and I would, I would say-
0: yeah, look, thank you. It's um, I think that one thing with property, um, whether it's an investment or a home purchase that looking that people are looking to buy, you know, the land content is obviously very important and location is very important, but the building structure itself um, in property you have the ability to manufacture additional equity in that building. So you know, having a builder on our team helps us to identify those types of opportunities from you know really minor cosmetic improvements right through to you know, structural renovations or development. So it is—it's a useful um, value add for our clients that are looking to, you know, capitalise on those sorts of opportunities in Brisbane.
1: A typical day for Jennison consists of creating content and meeting clients, as well as doing her own research.
0: I like to um, educate our. Followers, and um, we have a database of subscribers. So I do produce a lot of content, so video content and um, written articles for people, just to keep them updated with, you know, what's happening in the Brisbane property market. Um, you know, helpful hints and tips for buyers that are looking to purchase. So part of my day is, you know, content creation and and keeping up with those sorts of activities. Um, outside of that, yeah obviously dealing a lot with clients, um, helping them to identify, you know, different opportunities that match their goals and match their investment strategy talking with real estate agents, investing, uh, sorry, inspecting properties um, and also producing client updates where we're helping to educate our clients about opportunities that are not suitable for their investment or their home purchase um, and also explaining when we do see an opportunity that matches their brief, why it suits their strategy and um, what the upside potential can be.
1: Fantastic! <laughs> There's a lot that's going on there. Eh?
0: <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's fun. I think when you're passionate about what you do, which um, you know Scott and I really are, we just love helping people, and um, you know we love property as well. We're we're obviously property investors, and we're also property developments uh, developers ourselves. So. You know, we live and breathe property and it's a 24-7 game for us in a lot of instances. So, you know, being able to share our skill set with others by helping them in their own investment or home purchase journey makes, you know, makes us really happy.
1: Jennison was born and raised in Brisbane and thanks her husband for encouraging her passion for property.
0: I actually grew up in the outer suburbs, which was very common uh, back in the day. So, in the southern part of the Moreton Bay Shire was where I called home. Um, And I was educated at a a state school, went through that system. Uh, But I went to university and took on a sport science degree and stayed in that field for a little while, uh, studied a lot. I actually went on and did a PhD in that that field, so science-based exercise physiology degree. But I realised... that I married, well, I'd married a builder and I realized that I wasn't passionate about that area. So that's when we moved into uh, property, um, in construction, in property development and obviously subsequent to that now in the buyer's advocacy space.
1: She explains how she could start off in a career so different to what she does now.
0: What I loved most is um, I'm a really active, um, physically fit person and always have been. So I was a competitive uh, hockey player actually during my teenage years and I guess when you have an interest um, in in a particular field, and in this instance for me it was you know elite sport, I I wanted to to follow that and explore that. So I really you know pushed myself um, physically to try and get fitter and stronger and and all the rest of it. So I, I felt like that was a natural progression of um, where I was, you know, in my own uh, journey outside of school. So I wanted to explore that further as a career. I guess what what. Changed my thought process part way through was um, when I was completing my my thesis, my PhD. A number of years later, I was working with adults who had cystic fibrosis, and um, I don't know if you know a lot about that disease, but it's it's a, a disease that's predominantly um, a significant lung disease. So we were helping them with exercise to, you know, improve their opportunity for uh, better outcomes. So These were adults that were very sick. They had a very um, short life expectancy and I found that personally quite challenging um, knowing that I had my whole life ahead of me and yet these um, people that I developed a really strong friendship with, um, you know, were very sick individuals. So I guess being personally challenged, um, you know, just put me in a position that I felt quite uncomfortable, you know, staying in that area. Uh, but I guess all of the ducks aligned. My husband had his own construction company. Um, we were planning to start a family. So it seemed natural for me to um, step into to his company and, um, and you know, put that career on hold effectively whilst we, we had young children. And, you know, that was the the path that I chose. And it's just something that I never went back to because I, I found a passion in what we chose to do from that point forward.
1: Jennison and her husband spent close to two decades in the construction company before they started their current business venture.
0: My husband was working for another builder for a number of years and um, he's come from a carpentry background so we it all coincided with a decision about the same time we opened our own construction company. Um, we ran that for about 17 years. So it was um, mainly in commercial and industrial construction, but we also built our own residential developments within that company. So um, it was a good opportunity to work with a number of different clients across the diverse range of the, the property sectors here in Brisbane. So we developed a really good network um, you know, within the, the commercial space, but also in the residential space.
1: Wow, I mean, seventeen years to be in the construction building industry is a long time. It's not like you know, fly in, fly out. So it would have been a tough decision to actually leave that and come out to become what you're doing right now.
0: Yeah, it was the, <laughs> what was the what was the turning point for us? Um, just recently, they brought in new rules and regulations around construction. There's more and more red tape um, coming into the industry. And it really had a turning point when in Queensland they brought in legislation which is called industrial manslaughter where a principal contractor or a head builder can actually be found criminally liable for workplace incidences. Um, and we just felt that, you know, the industry as a whole had changed so much from when we started um, to, to that point. And, look, we were um, scaling back our, our uh, construction you know, for others at that time anyway because we were mainly building for ourselves in our own development but we just felt that the risk versus the benefit was, um, was starting to, to tilt in the wrong direction and we just really wanted to, you know, focus on something that was less stressful uh, and, and also lower risk because by this time we had, you know, three boys that um, we were supporting through school so we just didn't want to take on, you know, unnecessary risk.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. So how old are you boys now?
0: So my eldest is 16 and then I've got a 13-year-old boy and my youngest is 10.
1: A huge benefit to running their own business was being able to care for the kids at the same time.
0: Well, what it enabled us to do was it enabled me, we had a home office, but it enabled me to work from home but be there when they were young and um, and, and not have to rely on full-time daycare. So, you know, being there for them before and after school throughout their their younger years has made a big impact on, you know, making sure they're, they're pretty stable, grounded kids. And, um, you know, that's the decision that we made that was right for us at the time. So, you know, we were in a position that we were very lucky to be able to do that.
1: Coming up after the break, hear about Jenison's projects and developments she's been involved in.
0: We've actually just recently sold a site which was approved for development for 10 units, but um, that was just getting a little bit big for us.
1: Why she changed the direction of a newly formed business.
0: We decided just to to mitigate our risk and sell that one and, and really move on to something that's in a space that we're more comfortable with.
1: The story of her first property purchase.
0: I was 18 years old at the time and uh, never rented, so bought our first property in on the outer um, suburbs, of Brisbane in a place called Fernie
1: Hills. All that and more coming up after the break. I'm Taran Shump and you're listening to Property Investory. Throughout her business ventures, Jennison has been involved in a range of projects and developments as well as residential renovations. She explains the projects she's most recently been involved in.
0: For ourselves, we have um, done some mainly on our own homes, we've done um, both cosmetic and uh, structural renovations. Um, on investments, we have done structural and cosmetic renovations, but we are also um, have done projects where we've purchased land, you know, demolished, get, got all the council approvals in place to build units. So we've been in the boutique unit market um, here in Brisbane so inner city locations and um, building our largest project was uh, our largest completed project with seven boutique units in the inner city suburb of Alderley um, and we've actually just recently sold a site which was approved for development for 10 units but um, that was just getting a little bit big for us personally so we decided to offload that one with the approval in place and um, we'll sort of investigate what that next step is from here.
1: Okay, great. And how many of those type of deals have you done in the past? Were were those the main ones or did you do more of them?
0: So we've done the seven unit project was the largest that we did um, for ourselves um, in terms of the units and townhouse space. Uh, Other than that, it's all just been in the residential um, renovation and extensions.
1: The couple's company started in property development. However, market conditions pushed them into the company they have now.
0: I guess we moved into the space in the boutique unit market in Brisbane. Uh, We finished our first project just before the oversupply really um, hit hard in Brisbane. So a lot of people may know that the Brisbane unit and apartment market um, just became flooded with a lot of high rise sort of investor stock in the inner city Suburbs that obviously had a bit of a run-on effect in price softening to some of the boutique developments in the inner ring suburbs as well. So we sort of sat for a little while uh, on the next project, you know, expecting the the oversupply to be absorbed, which it has done. Uh, and I guess there's you know a lot of the the lending restrictions as well has slowed us down with that next big project in in trying to take on ten units by ourselves. We just didn't we weren't comfortable with the number of pre sales that uh, the the lenders were asking us to provide so we decided just to to mitigate our risk and sell that one and and really move on to something that's in a space that we're more comfortable with so I think that's like any investment strategy whether it's development investment renovation uh, you've just got to weigh up the pros and cons and we're not big risk takers so you know I guess when when the benefit um well, sorry. When the risks outweigh the benefit, uh, we'd rather just um, mitigate that risk, offload, and put it put the money into a project that um, will give a consistent return without quite so much risk.
1: Mm, it's very, very true. I mean, I think that's a smart move to do, making sure that yep. you weigh those up. And once you do, you know, then you can make your, your better decision, informed decision, rather than just going, "Okay, we've been doing this; we'll just continue to do what we're doing."
0: Exactly. That's right. Yeah. You just um you, you learn from from your experience as well, and I guess being in that space and and having been in construction and, and helped others with their projects from the construction end, you know that you know some people can really stretch themselves financially to get a project across the line, and you know whilst that that can work in some instances, uh, for us personally with um, our three children to support. It just wasn't a position that we wanted to put ourselves in. We'd much rather be in a comfortable position where we're not um, willing to put everything on the line.
1: Jennison was inspired from an early age by a father who had always been involved in investment and strategic wealth accumulation.
0: My parents have been property investors but my dad was part of a, a group who pooled their funds and um, they had a number of investments in flats. So, you know, small unit complexes in and around Brisbane. So, you know, I grew up as a young Girl with my brothers going to mow the flats and and pull the weeds out of the flats and um you know collect the rent because in those days it used to be knock on the door on a Friday night and they'd pay cash in in the hand or give you a check so you know I have memories as a child um, growing up and, and understanding that that that's what you do when you're an adult you you buy property and you manage property so I guess that was a really good um, upbringing for me because it got me interested from a very early age and and it certainly encouraged me to, to ensure that the decisions I made in and around property were going to be from an investment perspective and not from an emotional perspective. So, right from our very first property purchase, it's always been with a focus to, to generate wealth long-term and all of those decisions have been around that.
1: Jennison first got started on a property investment journey at only 18 with her now husband.
0: I... Met my now husband when I was actually 17 years old and um, we did a little bit of travelling and then uh, we purchased our first home together and it was the first step that I made from moving out of home to buying my own home. So uh, I was 18 years old at the time and uh, never rented so bought our first property in on the outer um, suburbs of Brisbane in a place called Ferny Hills, so on the end of the train line heading northwest of the city. Um, and look, that was a great little three-bedroom home, and uh, it it certainly was a very good starting point. Look, at that time, it was more about um, in my head rent was dead money, and that's what my my dad had always um, taught me. So I felt that you know if I had to pay to live somewhere, then I'm better off paying a mortgage than paying someone else's mortgage. So that was the approach that we took. Um, look, a few years later, I think it was about five years uh, later, we decided to upgrade and move closer to the city. And in that time, because Scott was a carpenter, uh, we had done a renovation on that property, cosmetic only. But um, you know, I think that we we doubled our money in in the space of five or six years. So um, it was a really, really good lesson for us to learn that. When you buy the right property in the right location and do some improvements you can really add a lot of value to that property so it set us up very well for for making that that next step into uh, an inner city property which is still our current home uh, so now we're four kilometers from the the brisbane city on a large 810 square meter block of land and you know this home uh, we purchased back in 2001 and we've been here ever since but, uh, you know, we've again uh, done significant renovations to the property and uh, done improvements and then borrowed off the equity that um, has continued to build up because of the location.
1: That's amazing to be able to hear that because um, I guess a lot of people when they first start out, yes, they buy their first home and then, you know, from there to be an upgrade and so forth but, you know, it's it's great to be hear that story that you've kept your property for is it now 2001 18 years yeah yeah (laughs) that's
0: right yeah it's been a long time and and i mean that's the power of um you know the, the capital growth, the power of, power of compounding capital growth. And, you know, in years past, it's been very easy to use equity to to borrow and go again and again. That's a lot harder at the moment because serviceability is so much more important than it ever used to be as well. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, your home is, um, is a really effective investment tool because you don't have the implications relating to tax, you know, upon resale. So, you know, we've we've spent a lot of time, you know, adding value to our home. We're able to enjoy that for ourselves, but at the same time, it's also building equity in the home uh, because of the location. We're not over so it'll always hold value and, um, you know, there's benefit to that as an investment strategy as well.
1: Even those who have done well in investment have had their fair share of poor investment decisions. Jenison shares her worst investing moment
0: many years ago now, not long after we purchased our home here, we decided to, um, buy a holiday unit and, you know, we purchased a unit at Noosa and it was lovely. And we went and we used it some of the time, but we never wanted to go, um, and use the unit in peak holiday periods because we knew that's when we'd get the best rent or, you know, the best return on the property. So, um, What we learned, though, is that when property markets are correcting, uh, those types of properties uh, do not hold value as well as, you know, properties in uh, locations that are not subject to seasonal fluctuations. So, you know, in terms of what do we learn from those instances, I mean, I guess some people believe that all property goes up in value all the time. Um, Certainly now, having Experienced ourselves, and um, also having the knowledge now through the courses that I've completed. Not all property um, is equal, and not all property does go up in value all the time. So you know the the highs and the lows of property cycles can be uh, a lot more prevalent in areas that don't have you know the industry to support the jobs and and that sort of thing. Now we were really lucky with that because. We also were able to do some renovations on the unit. When we decided to sell that property, it was more so the opportunity cost of having invested in that property for about seven years. That's what we lost. So we didn't physically lose money when we, we did decel, decide to sell, when we realised it was not actually working for us as an investment. It was simply a holiday home, um, but the opportunity cost of investing in that Opportunity, as opposed to something which we could have invested in in a more premium location, um, you know, was quite quite huge.
1: Yeah, I, I totally understand. It's it's always looking back at the opportunity costs because potentially those seven years, as you said, could have been invested in something else, and that that's I think the biggest lesson that we all learn from that, isn't it?
0: Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I mean, you know, I guess that's what we're helping people to understand now through our own mistakes, but also through You know the what we've learned through the courses that we've completed uh for people that that don't want to make those same mistakes and for people that that want to fast track that that creation of wealth um there's certainly you know properties that will deliver the results that they're wanting sooner rather than sort of taking the let's just try this and and let's experiment with that kind of way because um you know there's certainly the fast track way and then there's the the way a lot of other people do it which is through trial and error
1: on a positive note, adding value to her first property was a huge turning point—an aha moment for Jenison on her journey.
0: It probably was when we we upgraded our first home because you know at that time we weren't really studying the market. Obviously, as I mentioned, I knew that property was a good thing, but I didn't know the power of property until we realised the equity that we had created for no real effort. You know, it didn't feel for us like real effort to paint the walls and, and put a new kitchen in and put a new bathroom in. And effectively, that's all we did with that property. But, you know, time in the market um, and and also being able to add value to that property really set us up for for that next property purchase because, you know, we'd obviously paid down that property a, a fair bit as well during the period that we held it. But it was the, the equity that that we created and the market that had shifted in that time. And we, we thought, wow, we can actually just keep doing this because that wasn't hard. So I guess for us, that's the strategy that we've implemented from that point on. We realised the power of, you know, buying a good property in a good location, but also being able to add value to that property because we had the skills in construction and, um, you know, we, didn't, we don't mind getting our hands dirty and, and doing some painting and doing things like that ourselves. And, you know, the more little things that you can uh, do to a property to add value, it all matters in the end to either build equity that you can draw upon or improve the sale price when you do go to sell.
1: So, inspired by this story, we'll continue the conversation with Melinda Jennison in a future episode of Property Investory where we'll learn more about her strategies for investment.
0: Buying properties that appeal to the owner-occupier market, adding value to those properties through either cosmetic renovation, structural renovation or development.
1: The reason behind why she started this journey?
0: I see my parents in the lifestyle they now have and uh, I'd love that for myself one day um, in terms of just not being in a position where there's there's stress over finances.
1: As well as the daily habits that keep her on track.
0: I like to keep my mind clear of um, obstacles and I find that, you know, morning routine helps a lot to to set me up for for a day.
1: All this and much more on a future episode of Property Invest Story. <music> to jumpstart your week Here's Mindset Monday where our real success in property isn't knowledge and skill, it's 70% psychology and mindset. Here's this week's mindset tip from wealth coach Jill McIntyre. You're a strong advocate Jill for doing our goals and affirmations. Can you share more here?
2: Absolutely, and everyone knows about goals. Um, We write them, you set and forget them. You follow up on them weekly. Some people have written their goals. Uh, Come back five years later and, wow, can't believe it's happened. Yes, I like that way of thinking and you can do it, but I like to be more proactive with my goals. I mean, this is only my um, interpretation, but my goals are things that I would set, say, at the end of each year, into a new year and beyond short-term, medium goals, long-term goals. Um, when I come back with my affirmations, and this is my interpretation, my affirmations I do at, at the same time every month. And it's what happening, what is happening in one month to, to the next month, just focusing in that four-week period. And so I write a, a minimum of 10 of them every month. And there's always, if you're wondering, can you um, set goals? Because a lot of people, for many years, I was in a state of, well, no man's land, where I couldn't project longer and further than tomorrow because life was pretty hard. And when I went to a workshop and someone stood up the front, one of the presenters, and he said, I'm going to wave my magic wand and write down your number one goal. And me, at that time, was feeling very insecure, lacked in self-esteem, didn't have a track record of certainly getting up and supporting and helping other people. I wrote something down that I didn't relate to because I thought he'll probably ask us to share them with the person next door. It wasn't until two or three or four years later on, I read a short article on goal-setting. And for those of you who can't um, identify and really relate to your goals, what I'm going to suggest here is start off and every day write a minimum of 10 goals. Every day you set your task and then you make sure you don't go to bed until those 10 goals are done. What you're not allowed to do is look back on the day before. And you keep on going on and on and on. And your goals, some of them will be repetitive and some of them will be starting off. You might be saying, I'm looking for a a cracker one-into-two subdivision. But the next, a week later, you might be looking and saying, I'm looking for a cracker one-into-two subdivision that's an 850-square-metre block, uh, north-facing that's uh, got uh, a two-street access. And so then as you move forward, day by day, never looking back, you're expanding your thinking on that particular goal. Other goals you might only write once. But it was a good way to get me into how to start to write goals and feel that I could relate to them. It took me three and a half weeks of doing them every day till I knew that I had repetition. And what had started off with something very, very small it was a website at that stage. By the time I got to the end, it was my old website. I've really done it since then. But I had a very firm mind's eye about what was going to be on that website, how it would look and the presentation of it. So if you're having trouble writing goals, start to be doing it that way. Affirmations then follow through just focusing on your month moving forward. But I find that that's a fabulous way to go and get a journal and write them in your journal. They are a good benchmark then for you to look back. Every month when I'm writing them, I look back at last month's affirmations and I tick off where I am with each specific point that I've made. And it, it kick starts me into the following month of what i want to and choose. So enjoy that one.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.